Hello, my name is Mike Grain. Welcome to the University of Arkansas Supply Chain Management Research Council, focusing on on-shelf availability. I'm happy to host this, and we've got a pretty exciting guest today. Steve Statler from Williot is going to be joining us. Williot is a Bluetooth-enabled RFID solution, uh, which allows product to be tracked throughout the supply chain. Join us in progress as we get connected with Steve and hear a little bit about what Williot has to offer the industry. So, so I think the the asset protection play part of that was just an example where I'll just use a couple of examples. I believe Walmart is a sensormatic and Target is a checkpoint. So you got two different ones. So if I'm Procter & Gamble, do I put on a sensormatic tag, EAS tag, or do I put on a checkpoint one? And I get, kind of get stuck in the middle. My question, I guess, is real specifically, let's just take Wrangler jeans. I have RFID item level tags in the clothes already. Are we think we're going to get to a point where we would ask the supplier, in this case Wrangler, to put a Willia tag on the outside case to track that case through the supply chain and have all the individual items RFID tagged? Is that kind because of, again, you, what you don't want to do is say, well, put three different kinds of tags on this product because it gets confusing yeah, yeah. for the supplier, right? Right. So yeah, maybe that okay. we'll have to see if it makes sense to uh, to, to double up. Um, okay. Uh, the future that, that that I see is at the moment, Williot is one of the first ambient IoT players to scale. But and what we do, we do with Bluetooth. But there's a lot happening in the background that is a major force that I think is going to disrupt all of these technologies. Which is ambient IoT is being adopted by. A couple of other huge standards bodies, uh, 3GPP, they decide what's in 5G and 6G, and mm. also IEEE. And so there will be an 802.11, which is the, the Wi-Fi standard for ambient IoT, and release 19, which will be coming out a few years to a phone near you, will support ambient IoT. And so I think basically mm -hmm. the world will move to another generation of intelligent tags where... The tagging will, um, you know, not be just on the hang tag. It'll be integrated into the wash label. Mm -hmm. And that visibility in the supply chain will help in the manufacturing, the distribution, the sales, but also will help consumers. Um, and um, uh, it'll open up new business models for manufacturers uh, where they can start to see consumption of the product in the consumer's home and mm -hmm. new business models. So maybe I want to, rather than buying herbs and spices, I want to subscribe to that. There's a there's a vendor that I like, uh, a supplier, I like their brand, and they can make sure that I don't have herbs and spices that are out of date. Mm -hmm. I never run out. I have auto-replenishment. These things can be used to trigger auto-replenishment. And in the case of clothing, these tags can be washable, uh, like RFID, um, but unlike RFID, they can talk to the radios that are in the washing machine. So you mm. can detect if you've got uh, reds and the whites in the same wash, you can make sure that that wash cycle is right. You can keep track of how long it's being washed so that if you change your mind and you don't want that product, maybe there's a, a secondary market. That seems weird and bizarre to us. Um, but uh, in the same way as people will uh, rent a, a, a tux, there's there's interest in the yeah. circular economy as applied to clothing. So that's where I see it going. How we get there, I'm not smart enough to predict the exact sequence of mm -hmm. when the tipping point goes from 
um, the a very successful first generation of RFID to another generation of RFID, which is ambient IoT, being driven by these massive technology companies. You know, you think about the phone companies, they dwarf any of the technology companies that have really been pushing RFID. They, uh, uh, they have a recurring revenue relationship with each of us. And uh, that's probably a good thing because we have to deal with privacy implications and all of that sort of thing. So we're getting off into way off into the future, that's okay. but that's, that's basically where I see things going. And uh, um, this really will become, we'll go from uh, an RFID market, which is 30, 40 billion to literally trillions of things that are online um, that are uh, making the world more efficient and opening up some really amazing experiences and helping to make shopping better. Awesome. So we've talked a lot about retail, individual retail store. I've got a question here from Steve, and I think it's a really good one because I don't know the answer to the question either. In large footprint distribution centers, how are the tags read? Is it an overhead reader? And what's the typical read range that you would get? Much different than a retail shelf environment in a DC. How does that work? Well, there's a lot of flexibility in how you do that reading. And um, uh, there's a lot of different third-party devices. We don't make the readers, so we're working with an ecosystem that's expanding nice. uh, rapidly. And there's a lot of uh, existing movement to Bluetooth readers in um, distribution centers to track uh, things like uh, forklifts and uh, uh, pallets and uh, more expensive things. And we can tap in and reuse that. Um, we're working very closely with um, the major makers of Wi-Fi access points, they all have Bluetooth radios. Um, and so that's another um, direction. Uh, but also what we're seeing is uh, mobile readers that become pervasive. So um, I'm talking about, uh, you know, crowdsourcing using readers that are on, uh, th that are on forklifts. We all wear well, not, we don't all, some of us wear um, uh, watches that, <laughs> that read Bluetooth. Uh, and, and so uh, we see our customers going in both directions. Some of them want very low cost mobile readers that are pervasive where it's not literally real time, but because people are moving around, you get this kind of up to the hour uh, view of things. Um, okay. And in some cases, they just want to blanket um, the environment with readers and the range of these with our Gen 2 product, which is what we're selling today, is about 10 to 15 meters. Uh, mm -hmm. But that range will increase. Uh, we actually just uh, uploaded the designs for Gen 3 to the fab uh, that makes uh, the Gen 3 chips. Uh, and so next year, you'll see uh, amazing performance that will give more range and will mean you can cover a warehouse with, uh, with less things. But you know, the okay. biggest area of movement, uh, uh, I think, uh, beyond the warehouse and the store is actually in the tractor trailer. So this is, I think, relatively new. And it, to me, it's very exciting. It's, yeah, we're used to telematics in the cab. The, the, um, and, we're, and we're used to, or we're seeing some movement with, with wanting to track the, 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 those big shipping containers that are, some are refrigerated, some are not. But the, the, the big thing that we're seeing that's changing uh, partly because of this technology is um, the retailers and others, postal services, wanting to see what's in the container. So IoT started off with tracking the big expensive things, but now we're kind of double clicking 
And, you know, as we start to read these uh, sensors that are going on cases of strawberries and uh, tomatoes, we're seeing all sorts of temperature excursions that no one even knew about before. So, yeah, there was a temperature sensor maybe at one end or maybe a few test probes that were put in that were used for sampling. But when you can see every single case and carton, you can see a bunch of quality issues that may impact safety, but certainly impact shelf life and the look of the produce. So we want the produce looking good when it arrives on the shelf mm -hmm. so people buy it. We want to extend the shelf life so that uh, we don't have to waste. Uh, and, and so um, there's a really big RFI that's going out to uh, a very, very large fleet of um, the uh, tractor trailers to make them basically ambient IoT aware so that they can tell the state of what's in them throughout all of the zones in, in these uh, shipping containers. And so just so I understand, so a, a big tractor trailer backs up to the back of a distribution center. Let's just say it's Procter and Gamble and it's all laundry detergent. We've got gain in there and shear in there and tide in there, et cetera. When they open that door and start unloading that product, what you're saying is those readers could be on the fork truck or they could actually be in the tractor trailer sharing the fact that these items are in the trailer now moving into the distribution centers. That's the kind of logic that we're walking through here. Yeah. Okay. And then once those, once those cases go up into the steel where there is a place that they're stocked and stored until a store would order them, what reads them up in that steel? Is it people walking by who have got, Bluetooth enabled phones and devices and, and watches. Yeah. Is that what gives you that signal? Um, it will vary because this okay. is, these are like Lego bricks. You can put them together and all, all the way. But I think what you okay. described will actually be the exception. If you have okay. a lot of these readers around, you can start rather than sit, take again, it's the difference between a black and white snapshot and relying on the fact that everyone's got a phone that can record streaming video. So you have enough readers around, you can start to see the movement. Uh, so the, 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 the inventory goes from being a snapshot to a vector where you're actually mm -hmm. starting to track the movement of things and you knew they know uh, you, you can see uh, where they were last seen and you can actually start tracking the movement of where it went and maybe it disappears at some point, but uh but you've got a pretty good, it's a bit like the security cameras uh, in, uh, in you know, the major cities. You, you don't have 100% coverage, but, you know, you, you have a pretty good idea where things have gone, uh, even if you don't have 100% coverage. I think eventually we will get 100% coverage, but that's mm. not the reality of, uh, of, of 2023. But we do get that vector view rather than the snapshot view. Gotcha. So uh, another text that I just got for somebody, food safety is one of the big issues uh, surrounding, has been for a long time, not only food safety, but waste, how much food that we throw away uh, all the time. Um, and, and I know if if you've been have been part of this, I believe Willie has a tremendous opportunity to potentially uh, save millions in terms of the waste and make sure fresh product is ending up with the customer. Is, is, is that some of your primary use examples that you're using? Absolutely. And, and if so, how Absolutely. does that work? How does that work practically? Yeah, I, I think, um, again, the driver uh, for a lot of our customers has been the OSA, but then mm -hmm. they suddenly realize they have a way of measuring temperature over time and even humidity. Um, 
So these every single one of these things is a temperature sensor, and it's pushing out that uh, that temperature uh, visibility. And so what we have seen when you put these on cases and crates and pallets and totes, individual totes, sometimes we see fruit that is being frozen and defrosted and frozen mm. and defrosted half a dozen times between the DC and the store. So imagine what that does to the look and the life of that uh, product. I'm excited because I think some of the value players that are out there in retail, actually, because they're they're so big and so sophisticated, they can deploy this infrastructure. I think they have an opportunity to be a quality uh, freshness player uh, as well uh, because they've put this digital infrastructure in place, they put the readers in place, and suddenly they can start using it for other things. And I think the Food Safety Modernization Act compliance, it's coming. Um, it's going to be, it's really very difficult for, I was speaking to one of our customers and I'm like, so do you think uh, the industry will push back and uh, the FISMA deadline for being able to give uh, uh, a inventory within 24 hours of a food incident of every leaf of lettuce that might be impacted? Do you think that is going to get pushed out? And he said, we can't take that risk because if mm. we decide we're going to assume it's not going to happen and our nearest competitor um, does it, then it's going to make us A, look really bad, and B, they are going to design the standard operating procedure that we'll have to adopt. Yep. So yep. I think I think that the big grocery chains are taking this very, very seriously. And you know, they have a challenge, which is, um, you know, scanning in every case in at the back of the store has not been something that generally is is, is done. You generally assume what has been sent <laughs> is what's uh, being received. And so the idea of hiring, you know, three shifts of workers to start doing case level scanning with handheld optical scanners or even RFID scanners, that's hugely expensive. Um, so if you can just use this digital um, ambient IoT, digital real-time visibility platform that you put in for OSA, but to start to do the case-level tracking that allows you to then produce that spreadsheet that the FDA could ask you for with 24 hours notice, then I think that's um, that's a win. And it's it's probably a compelling event that will start to accelerate the deployment of the infrastructure, which will help the OSA problem, but it's also going to help with regulatory compliance, which is kind of a non-optional uh, thing that, uh, mm -hmm. that that has to be responded to. And it's it's not just grocers, it's, it's quick service restaurants, it's uh, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of um, uh, very large companies that uh, are having to re-engineer. And on one level, it's kind of simple, I need to have these lock codes, these traceability lock codes that come from the, the producer that identify a, a batch and ultimately identify the field where the um, where the spinach or the lettuce came from. But then I need to keep a handle on where it is. And just saying that it was scanned on the shelf isn't good enough. You need to know where it is in the back room and you mm -hmm. need to not guess that it got off the truck, but you need to have scanned it and, and, and seen it. And so... I think, you know, in the same way as, because what we're talking about with ambient IoT in a way is infrastructure. And infrastructure is notoriously hard. 
to justify and pay for. And the reason why we've got a highway system, arguably one of the best highway systems in the world in this country, is not because they wanted you and me to have a better journey to our business or on a holiday. It was because they had to move the uh, the missiles from right. <laughs> Eisenhower had to move the missiles. That was the compelling event that drove the infrastructure that then helped fuel our economy. It allowed right. these trucks to get to faraway places. And so yeah. I... I think food safety is going to be that compelling event that will drive the infrastructure that will actually help omnichannel the omnichannel um, uh, OSA uh, problem get uh, get solved in a solid yep. way. Well, I, I love that analogy, and and I just think back just a few years ago, you used to order something from a retailer, and you log into UPS or FedEx or whoever else was, and they go, "It should arrive next Tuesday." Well, now. It got shipped from this location to this fulfillment center to this consolidation center. It's coming out of that consolidation center. It's on the road. You'll see it by two o'clock on Thursday. That kind of incredible value that from a customer perspective, I know where my stuff is in the route is real helpful. But today, Steve, I think that a lot requires a lot of people taking extremely expensive labor and scanning stuff. Or running it through yeah. a tunnel, or doing this, or doing—we're we're spending a lot of money from a label per, perspective. Having people in a store and a retail supply chain collect data for our systems, and no offense is number one—they don't do it very well. They don't do it very thoroughly all the time. Number two, it's not something we should be having them do. We should figure out how to collect that data as they're unloading a truck. That information should just be collected. I shouldn't have to stop and do a step like scan this or wand this or turn this on, et cetera, to actually get that data collected. I think that's a real, real important fact. And I think that's that's the enabling technology that either your technology can do or to kind of fix infrastructure with RFID can do. I think that's the future. Yeah. Yeah. Getting companies to pay for that is exactly right, which is, oh, but that's so expensive. Yeah, but when you add up all those business cases, it becomes a much better selling proposition. Maybe we just need to move military equipment across the country. Maybe that's the answer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, so a couple other things there. Um, the, the other thing is, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but there's a lot of technology out there for the retail supply chain to wrestle with. I've got current 2D barcodes. I'm moving with Sunset 2026 to more QR codes or to, you know, more, more advanced barcoding. I have UHF RFID or RAIN or whatever you want to call that. I've mm -hmm. got vision technology. Now I've got Bluetooth technology, which is on the umbrella. If I'm a retailer, I'm getting really, really confused about how all this stuff fits together. How would you summarize the specific fit that Williot has today for a retail supply chain? And what do you think the future, some of the future stuff like we've already talked about, but what's the practical application today for the retail supply chain of your technology? I think um, the, the way um, one of our customers sees what we do for them, and I love it when smart people express something in a very simple way. Um, it's uh, To me, it's the sign of intelligence when someone can take a really complex thing and boil it down to a simple uh, phrase, and and it seems like customers are very often the best ones to do that. And they basically described us as their visibility platform. So mm. they have automation platforms and they have a visibility platform. And so having visibility um, is that infrastructure that then allows you to solve 
um, the the nil pick problem, the omnichannel uh, 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 paradigm that has been driven into uh, our lives by COVID and is not going away. Uh, my mom is, you know, she's not getting any younger. She's going to continue mm-hmm. ordering online. Yep. Um, and um, so, you know, in my mind, that visibility platform for a retailer, it's it's a great solution for omnichannel. It's a great solution for food safety and regulatory compliance with FISMA. And it's also a great solution for sustainability and freshness. And I put those those two together. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you can do with this that some people may not care about, but you know the 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 SEC cares about uh, is being able to measure carbon footprint accurately. And it's really difficult. And at the moment, um, I mean, there's a huge amount of turmoil uh, in companies, uh, particularly with the CFO, that, that they have to respond to this, the new SEC requirements on climate and sustainability, and they have to have plans uh, to get a handle on what the carbon footprint is. And so there's a bunch of theoretical work that goes on that may or may not be right, but it's sort of the, the current benchmark is give me a theoretical view of what the carbon footprint is across my uh, 3,000 stores. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're able to do once you accept, okay, I need a visibility platform, is we can actually start to give you real-time visibility of the carbon footprint of a given product, uh, a given uh, distribution route, a given store. Uh, and don't forget, carbon is essentially cost. You know, when we, mm-hmm. when we, um, it, it's a measure of the uh, the raw materials. And the worst thing for your carbon footprint is when produce rots because it gives off methane. And so your carbon footprint knows, numbers go off. But also, you're writing this stuff off the, the balance sheet as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my personal view is that carbon, uh, counting carbon will be the next Six Sigma. For, for good enterprises. You'll know that it's a quality company if they can give you a really good carbon report. And 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 the paradigm shift for carbon reporting will be from theoretical to real-time product level carbon footprinting. And then you can start making uh, the whole organization accountable for m- moving forward and getting the efficiency that we either want because we like hugging trees, that's what I like to do, uh, or uh, we like to reduce the carbon footprint because it just means we're going to be more profitable and more efficient and have uh, uh, be more uh, competitive. So if you are tasking a store manager with, how, you know, you need to reduce your carbon footprint and having those fruit and vegetables overnight in that reefer container that's in the car park, not only is a problem because people can't buy the stuff, uh, but it's also you know, just a terribly wasteful way of keeping um, uh, produce chilled. Yep. Um, that kind of real-time carbon uh, accounting, I, I think, is uh, is actually going to be the thing that excellent companies uh, use. Um, so, if the business problem is omnichannel, uh, the compliance problem is food safety. I think that carbon uh, accounting and real-time visibility of carbon and cost. Uh, will be kind of the new quality metric, which will be an operational driver. And, uh, uh, you know, the the person that's accountable for that 
um, is actually the CFO. And they're the mm-hmm. ones that, you know, no one argues, do we need a, uh, do we need a system to run SAP on? You know, when did you hear about a debate about <laughs> spending money on uh, uh, the EY PwC bill for, for, for the ERP system? Right. Funnily enough, that stuff just gets taken care of. Sure. Um, because the person that really understands the need is the guy that, or the girl, uh, or the lady, or the woman that holds the purse strings, and so yep. um, I think ESG may be uh, the the environment, social governance, and particularly the SEC mandate on carbon accounting will be another driver for yep. bringing us into the new age where the the digital and physical come together, and we get visibility on everything around us. Uh, I just got a question from Robert Taylor, and I think it's a very good one. I, I assume this is very applicable to what we're talking about food, which is quick service restaurants. I'm assuming this is a Absolutely. copy and paste of what we're seeing in a retail supply chain is certainly applicable for the QSR yeah. business, right? There's some twists that are different, but they essentially, they have to comply to FISMA. Um, they have, you know, uh, my kids are in their um, in their 20s, and so... You know, I'm learning a lot about QSR from the side of, <laughs> of the people that are working. With. And having brought my kids up, I'd like to think they're model citizens, but they are challenging employees. And so running a quick service restaurant, uh, you know, whether it's the high end uh, sort of the Panera Starbucks uh, or, or uh, McDonald's, which is where I worked when I was a kid. There you uh, go. It is amazing that they're able to do what they do with unseasoned workforce. So mm-hmm. automation, you know, relying on people scanning and checking things in and the the, the labor shortages that they have, you, you need to be checking in and certainly applying, uh, complying to FISMA, but just tracking where things are. I, I couldn't believe it. One of my, um, shortly before I joined Williot six years ago, I was on a plane with uh, a guy that sold furniture to um, to Starbucks. And mm. uh, I'd just written this book uh, called Beacon Technologies. I thought it was pretty obscure. And I, I'd recognized the fact that 90% of the people I'm going to sit next to on an airplane are not going to understand what a Bluetooth tag is. <laughs> and I just sort of tell him, expecting that this is the way that I'm going to get a, a peaceful night's sleep on the way to uh, London, where I was flying back to, to see my family. But actually, we ended up speaking for three hours because he was putting Bluetooth into Starbucks furniture because mm. they actually have merchandising compliance challenges of knowing, you know, was is the furniture where it's supposed to be? Is the display out there? And the way that he felt this needed to be solved was embedding visibility uh, into into the furniture that he was making, selling mm. to uh, one of the world's biggest uh, QSRs. So visibility is super relevant to QSRs. Awesome. Food freshness, food safety is, inventory mm-hmm. is, and they have a lot of the same labor problems that you very eloquently uh, described earlier. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Steve, I've got one last question, and then we'll kind of wrap it up here. We're kind of heading to the end of the hour. Uh, the first is, I usually say, do you have any closing comments? But the other question I would ask you is, what question did I not ask that I should have? So anything on your anything on your mind that we didn't cover, you think it's important for our audience to hear or any closing comments that you have? Um, I, I think you asked amazing questions and uh, I will, uh, I think what you're doing here is, is important, good work. So I don't have any, uh, any constructive criticism at all. Uh, to, to wrap things up, I would say um, 
it's worth people checking out this new phenomenon of ambient IoT. I mean, I've been, I'm the marketing guy, so I've been selling our pixels. Uh, the, we call them pixels because they bring, they're small, they bring light to things. You have a lot of them and you suddenly get this high definition picture that shows you things that you couldn't see before. So as you can say, I, see, I'm a big Williot fan, but I would say the category is actually more important than the company. Um, and this ambient IoT category is is growing. Um, I think it's the way we get RFID from billions to trillions. And I think it's the way we solve some of the big problems that you and I have been talking about. Yeah. And I would say there are huge opportunities for everybody in ambient IoT, whether you're making tags, whether you're making edge devices, whether you're a software developer, there's a lot of education uh, that's required. So people like you and the press and the industry analysts and, and the management consultants are very important in this transition to getting visibility that will help us um, uh, solve some really important problems. So, uh, and of course, then the practitioners, the you know the retailers and the uh, the people that actually need to use the technology. There's a lot of opportunity, and I think you know the more we can learn together, and uh, uh, and uh, this is not about fighting for market share. This is about building this new future together as quickly as we can. That's awesome. Well, Steve, I want to thank you very much for your time. Uh, I know it's your birthday weekend, so you've got plans right after this to head out and do some celebration in your birthday. Uh, don't go into stores and look for uh, COVID tests. That's not part of your birthday celebration. <laughs> um, so enjoy that. I do know that you're also going to be joining myself and a lot of other people next week in Orlando at RFID Journal. I believe you'll have a booth there. So if anybody has any specific questions, they can certainly look you up. Uh, I'll be there Tuesday through Thursday as well. I'm actually leading a session about the future use cases in retail of RFID. So I'd love to have you guys, the audience, join us for that. But Steve, thank you very much for your time. Incredibly helpful. It's, it's That's why we like this platform. It's conversations on retail, and that's what we've been doing for the last hour. So thank you very much. Uh, have a great weekend. Have a great birthday celebration, and we'll see you next week in Orlando. Thank you, Mike. See you there. All right. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed that series with Steve Statler, the CMO of Williant. We'll continue our series with uh, on-shelf availability experts uh, starting next month. Uh, please join us and we'll be right back here discussing on-shelf availability in retail. Take care.